0: One of the most common questions I see and get asked is what to do after achieving your CPL, instrument rating, multi-engine, or turboprop endorsement. Well, let's have a chat about it. All that and more coming right up. So strap in and let's get into it. Turning. Fuel. 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 Oil. Zero degrees. Good. Keep by star nine thousand one hundred and thirty. Keep by twenty. Coordinating, on and rudder, bank, balance, back pressure, rolling to thirty degrees. That's thirty degrees there. Zero star one two nine one two three one. G'day, everyone, and welcome to episode one hundred and fifteen of the Flight Training Australia podcast. From Tamworth to Truscott, Tanner Creek to Toowoomba, and everywhere in between. Now, this is the podcast all about flight training for flying in Australia and beyond. G'day, I'm your host, Trent Robinson. How was your weekend? Big week this week. I've been flat out, as you would have seen, online in the caravan, having a great time with the guys. Uh, Well, the last couple of weeks, doing uh, instructor training in the 210 and uh, a few transition courses and like I said, the caravan endorsement stuff. And I thought, really good timing uh, with that sort of topic is that something comes up. And last week I answered a bunch of questions and the one thing I did leave off deliberately was uh, multi-engine and turboprop endorsements, instrument rating, structure rating. What do you do after commercial training? So today I want to talk about that. It's uh, the constant drama, what to do, and... uh, of course, there is things like IRX, ATPLs, but you know, let wants just talk about study, right? We'll leave that for later. But I have, of course, talked about those things. So there's a couple of episodes there on ATPLs and IRX and study. Uh, so go and have a listen to those after this one. But let's stick with the topic at hand for now. So it goes without saying, but sometimes we can be in such a rush to just keep moving and keep going. Get a bit of a case of the FOMO and worry about missing out on something and opportunities and look, that is going to be following you for the rest of your life in all aspects. So just take a break after your commercial. You've worked hard. Enjoy it. Go flying with some family, friends, split the costs, go and enjoy it and uh, then sort of have a bit of a think about things and don't rush into it is tip number one. All right, there is no rush and you don't want to just go and do the wrong thing. It's like finishing high school year 12 and really having no idea. So you go and pick a course because you feel you're meant to be doing something and then it turns out that you have absolutely zero interest in that topic at all. A lot of money spent for no good. There are a number of ways to uh, think about it all and and go about it. Um, But yeah, just take that initial time to go flying. One thing that I am finding up here doing a lot of these uh, transition courses in the 210 is some of you are falling victim to the system. All right. And that is that you just haven't flown by yourself. Okay. Hang on, Trent. I've got a hundred hours command, like easy. What I mean is outside of a flight school environment, the flight school has a duty of care, has a responsibility. So, a lot of the uh, command time that you go and do is very chaperoned. It's very supervised and you can't go if the clouds a certain height and the winds a certain strength. And if there's an inter or a tempo or whatever else, um, and you have to divert here and touch and go there and you don't, you've never really just gone, you know, I'm going to go here today and deal with whatever happens on the day. And that's what you need to get out and do. So Part of breaking those chains of of the flight school environment and uh, limiting what you can and can't do is go flying by yourself. Grab some friends. even Just don't even take anyone. Go by yourself if you want to. Um, But go to an airport you've wanted to go to. Get somewhere. um, Go and have a picnic. Stop for lunch. $100 hamburger. Whatever it is. And go and enjoy it a bit. And start making some decisions for yourself and exposing yourself to different uh, locations and maybe an aircraft or whatever else, okay? But if you can't sit still and you've got to go and do something, let's have a look at the pros and cons of everything first of all, and then uh, we'll see if we can come to a bit of a conclusion by the end of it. So the multi-engine rating kind of comes before the instrument rating, so I thought we'll talk about that one first. Pros, there's a few. Performance, right? Twice as much fun in the twin, isn't it? Multi engine aircraft generally are going to operate uh, with better performance characteristics. Now, not necessarily initial twin aircraft, okay, but it's going to uh, be a higher speed, maybe a high payload. It's going to introduce you to different concepts, especially with things you would have studied in a commercial and are also very applicable in your uh, ATPLs and IRX studies as well. So, useful stuff that you are going to learn there. Obviously, the safety side of things, the redundancy, having multiple engines uh, can enhance, enhance the safety in most cases. As we know, sometimes the other engine is there to take you to the scene of the accident. It's not going to have the performance that you're expecting. right? But bigger twins uh, definitely do. But the initial twin, it's definitely given to give you exposure to what multi-engine training is all about, and you will potentially have to work for every foot per minute rate of climb but that's a good thing because it's going to install the correct disciplines right in the beginning. Naturally, job requirements and eventually airline requirements, you're going to need some multi-engine rating time. Uh, used to be 500 multi was required. That's not always the case now. I was just talking to a good friend of mine who's checking training in one of the airlines, and he just uh, flew with someone who hasn't even got turbo jet, turboprop time, nothing. First time in the flight levels right? Flying in the airlines. So times are changing, guys, and everything isn't as it once was. But having said that, there are a lot of jobs out there that do require multi-training, multi-time, and this is really where shaping your pathway and deciding what it is you want to do is quite important here. The uh, skill enhancement, flying a multi-aircraft does require additional skills understanding managing asymmetric thrust and you know potentially more complex systems fuel systems electrical systems all that sort of stuff so again this is going to help you with just your overall handling and understanding of aircraft systems and of course the versatility it's going to open up more opportunities for you uh, to operate a broader range of air- a broader range of aircraft including larger more advanced types it is simply the f- the fact that if you don't have it you might miss out. Uh, if someone else has got the endorsement, that can be the case with any of the topics we're talking here. So, again, these are all things you're going to have to weigh up. All right, what about some cons? Well, obtaining a uh, multi-engine rating can be expensive depending on the, uh, the, the aircraft platform that's being used, but it is a cheaper option compared to an instrument rating or a gas turbine rating. So certainly something to look at there. It is more complex. Uh, So you've got to be on your toes. You need to maintain proficiency afterwards. Uh, Twins are obviously more expensive to hire. Trying to find a twin to hire is very, very difficult. For example, up here in Darwin, there are no multi-engine aircraft now that are available for private hire. Um, You have to have an instructor with you or own an airplane. So that's a bit tricky. Uh, So that limited availability is very much uh, an issue. Other airports, not so much the case. All right. And potentially the twin endorsement may have limited application, especially to begin with. So is it something that you go and do now or do you just head north? Really hard to tell. All right. Let's look at an instrument rating. The pros. It definitely increases skill and confidence. So the instrument rating is, is, a good three to four weeks of training. I typically take about four weeks, especially if it includes initial multi. And it will enhance your flying skills. It will make you more accurate, especially flying on instruments. You know, we're looking at tolerances within 100 feet and five degrees. So it definitely forces you to be more accurate with your flying. That will give you more confidence and of course expose you hopefully during the training to a wider range of weather conditions, including low visibility and IMC conditions. Now, that's not always the case, but this is a factor. Now, some people will go and choose the dry season or the summer summer months where there's not a lot of weather around to do their instrument rating, and that's okay. But just remember what it is you're actually trying to do here. You're trying to get an approval that lets you fly in cloud, in poor weather conditions, and that's going to be by yourself <laughs> after the training, all right, by, by yourself, without anyone to to guide you or help you unless you're smart enough to maybe go and do a bit of a currency flight or something like that when the weather turns, which is the best time to get up there. All right, career advancement. Some employers, you know, would like you to have it as it can demonstrate a high level of training and competence, but probably more so having the ability to fly at night and uh, do the night VFR operations in the meantime, that is very useful. Some operators really like that and uh, there's a few of you that have contacted me asking for night ratings or trying to do an IPC just to re-enable your night abilities there. So think about that as a, a benefit as well. Naturally, safety. It's going to help you with better situation awareness, good decision-making, reducing your, your risk of spatial disorientation. Uh, accidents like that are... Uh, only O2 common and dealing with challenging weather conditions. Hopefully you get to do that from a VFR environment into IFR with an instructor who is experienced and knowledgeable and can safely introduce you to what is flyable and what isn't. Remember instrument ratings, not an access all areas, uh, rating. There's still times even for me where it's just, yep, not going today. Um, and that's very much based on the aircraft and the equipment that it's, uh, has as well, like weather radar and icing equipment. What's another pro of the writing It can give you enhanced knowledge, right? So you can gain a deeper understanding of navigation systems like the GNSS, of course, and, and use of NAVAIDs, just doing uh, nav- basic NAVAID intercepts and tracking, ATC procedures, communication protocols, just overall contributing to a better level of aeronautical knowledge. And these skills can be transferred, even though you're going to be flying VFR initially, which is one of the first uh, cons, it can still raise your standard as a VFR pilot and can help put you in a position where you do stand out from the crowd. So I still think, you know, it's definitely worthwhile considering doing. All right, cons, instrument rating, hands down, the most expensive. Um and you, you know, I don't know, it depends on whether you're doing fee your help or, or sort of paying for it yourself, but it can range from, anywhere from 20 to 30, 40 grand. I've had some insane costs involved with uh, instrument ratings, but uh, fee help and all that, that's a whole other conversation. But it's definitely expensive. Um, it's potentially time-consuming both in the initial acquisition of the training, but then to remain uh, competent and current you'll need to spend more money and time keeping yourself up to speed. So the cheapest, easiest way to do that is in a simulator. Hire a desktop simulator. You can usually get checked out by a local school. You get put in the uh, synthetic train operations manual or the STOM and that will allow you to uh, log the time uh, for currency purposes and everything else so those skills do not perish. Most sims don't cost that much per hour to hire privately and Definitely a great thing to do. Do that currency stuff properly, though. It's not just about turning on the switch and logging an hour and putting it in your logbook. And that's not going to do you any good at all. All right. Can be stressful. Can exposure to stressful conditions, flying and instrument conditions, can be mentally taxing. Uh, so the training process, you know, it's really something you want to have the best opportunity to To see different weather elements, um, fly through some clouds. Weather actual decision making with the comfort of an instructor with you, so that when it comes down to you banging all by yourself, you're uh, in a good position to be able to make smart, wise decisions and reduce your overall cockpit workload and uh, manage your stress better. All right, but the biggest con, which is the the, the common piece of advice you're typically going to see, is the instrument rating doesn't have an immediate use post-CPL uh, for your first job employment. Now, that's probably in about 90 95% of the time. Where it can be used is, as I've told you before, there are uh, companies up here with their own aircraft, some are single-engine IFR rated, and these aeroplanes, uh, you know, well, these, these companies can hire pilots to fly these aeroplanes either VFR or IFR, if the conditions dictate. So there are opportunities out there. They are slim, but I probably wouldn't be making the whole decision based on that because those those positions aren't always available and they're obviously very limited as well. All right. Gas turbine engine. Now, this one comes in two forms. There's the gas turbine engine design feature or what most would probably do is do the gas turbine engine along with an aircraft rating, such as the Caravan. And the Caravan, I think, would be arguably the most common and accessible uh, initial turboprop airplane. It's well-priced in the scheme of things. It's nice and big, handles like a a big 182, 210 sort of size airplane. Um, But again, some pros and cons. So let's have a look at those. So as far as career advancement goes, um, you're going to have to have turboprop aircraft eventually, no doubt. Um, Right, to begin with, kind of falls into the category of the instrument rating. It's not going to be something you're typically going to use straight away unless you are specifically looking at probably the one field that will give you access to a turboprop aircraft early on in your career, and that is uh, the parachute industry, I guess we call it. Um, majority of those aircraft are caravans or certainly, if not the first aircraft, but the second one. So you'll start off in a a 182, 206, something like that, air van, and then move up into a caravan afterwards. So you will need that. Now, some of those companies are set up uh, to do the caravan training there. Otherwise, you need to go elsewhere to try and grab it. What else? Pros. Efficiency, really good efficiency. Again, not really a a good one for you guys as far as um, how it's going to help you make a decision, but they are a good, safe aeroplane, very efficient, good, high power to weight ratios. Uh, It will expose you to some great aircraft handling characteristics, typically faster cruise speeds than what you've been normally flying. And the fact is that single engine turbines like the Caravan are becoming far more of an option to replace outdated, older, unreliable aircraft like Chieftains and 402s and the like, Uh, comparable speeds, carry lots of passengers, lots of weight, especially if I've got the pot underneath. And, yeah, they are becoming uh, more likely the replacement option because there's just simply nothing else in the twin market at the moment that's being produced. And especially for the Australian market, there's been a few new multi-engine aircraft that have come through and uh, toured, but they're just not cutting the mustard. And uh, the 208 is uh, looking like the aircraft of choice for a lot of operators at the moment. So there is more application for that for sure. Potentially higher altitude capability. Turbines typically typically perform better at high altitudes. Um, But again, if it's a single engine aircraft, you're typically not going to be doing that unless it's a, a King Air or a Conquest, something like that. But again, doing the training can help uh, put you in a position to get onto that sort of aircraft later on. And typically, as well, if you haven't already had that exposure, most of the newer uh, turbine engine aircraft have got all the modern avionics systems, uh, so it's helping you get proficient in all that area as well to get exposure to that if you haven't already. Of course, also saying that that some older caravans are still analogue aircraft uh, the caravan I did my initial training on was all analog, apart from the GPS, of course. But uh, now you're more likely to come across a Garmin 500 setup or G1000 for the majority of them. All right, some cons. for gas turbine, the cost. Uh, can be expensive. You're paying for a big airplane that's meant to be uh, subsidized by a lot of passengers, and you're it. <laughs> so you're basically taking all the cost there. Um. The availability is uh, trying to find somewhere to get it done. It's quite difficult. Now, a few of you have asked about uh, turbine training since I've been doing a few posts and stuff, and uh, my situation is that I can conduct the the caravan training, I conduct the gas turbine engine design feature training, but I do not have a training aircraft at the moment. Uh, It's a a BYO company-provided aircraft at the moment for me, so... I can't help you out just at the moment, but that situation could possibly change. I'll let you know in in time, but at this stage, it's uh, something I can't do. So, typically, the east coast seems to be the uh, the go there, where there's uh, opportunities for you to do it. Otherwise, it's something that you just do when the opportunity presents itself. Up here at uh, operators like Hardy's and Air, That'll be something that you'll do when the time comes. The company will sponsor the training. Uh, You'll typically get bonded for that. And uh, if you don't understand bonding and all that, have a listen to uh, the episode where I talk all about the pilot award and uh, the legalities of bonding and how all that works so you can be well informed. Uh, They can be very noisy on the outside, but the caravan, especially the modern ones, the EX, I just have a headset off and it barely made a difference. Uh, very, very quiet and comfortable inside, spacious. But uh, the gas turbine engine endorsement itself is going to be tied to a particular aircraft, and that aircraft may not be the one that you're going to uh, fly during your career. So going out and spending money on the turboprop side of things can be uh, a bit of a gamble, I guess. But in closing, out of all the three, Any of them are going to give you skills, they're all going to make you a better pilot and they will come in handy eventually. It's potentially a bit of a sitting on the fence answer, but that is really the case. And this decision ultimately is so individual, Um, depending on your proposed pathway, depending on the opportunities that are nearby or around you or that you're prepared to Go for and 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 try and get put yourself in a position to achieve uh, that. Ultimately, is really got to be the biggest part of the answer. Right. So yes, there's pros and cons to all, but uh, ultimately, if you decide to do one or the other, make sure that you do your research, choose a training organization that has a good reputation, has. Extensive experience that's going to be able to pass that on to you. So it's just not a straight out of the textbook uh, endorsement. You, you want to access that person's uh, knowledge and experience and get as much out of them as you can, which is going to make you a better pilot. As when you've got this minimum experience to start with. All right. So hopefully that uh, gives you a few little things to think about, and uh, I wish you all the very best in uh, your career endeavors so that is it for this week's episode i am available for instrument ratings multi-engine ratings uh oh the third one i was going to talk about wasn't it was instructor ratings now i'm going to talk about that next week because there's a heap to talk about with instructor ratings there's a lot of confusion out there so i have done one on training endorsements before but i'm going to cover it all off again so i'll do that but uh if you want to do any bookings or anything else i'm into june just about now for uh instructor training and instrument training stuff so it's probably best to start thinking ahead on that sort of thing if you've got your ipcs coming up guys get in touch and let's make some bookings they can be uh, adjusted modified there's no deposits required but if you wait a couple more months and probably going to be a couple more months further down the line and uh, i'm going to have to start thinking about what i want to do for christmas holiday soon far away I can't even believe it but here we are alright have a fantastic week stay safe and uh, please 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 keep all the comments coming through I am absolutely loving hearing from you all um, a bunch of you have messaged me saying that you passed your instrument rating or your IPC um, or commercial flight test and you know listening to the podcast has, has really helped you and that is just fantastic and that's exactly what I, uh, I do this every week for to, to help you guys with the The bits of uh, info that are missing uh, in your day-to-day grind. So thank you again for all of that. Jump on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, follow me, uh, send me messages. Stay safe. Remember the golden rule. Aviate, navigate, communicate. Cheers, everyone.